0: Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship weekly podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. Alright, so we're in a series called Journey to the Cross. In the first week of this series, I talked about Jesus... (laughs) If, if, you're, if you're new, you can pretty much imagine I'm going to talk about Jesus every single week. So, uh, so I, I, back then I talked about Jesus and said we've got to reorient to Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, he reveals the triune God of love. And that helps us to start reorienting to relationships. And that's one of the things we talked about there. And Even the Sermon on the Mount is about relationships. All of that anger and lust and all that stuff. It's about people. It's about relationships. Then Yancey Smith got week two of this thing and he talked about the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about having the right eye. Having not the evil eye, but the eye that's marked by Jesus and His love. Okay, So that's, that was the second piece. Having the prescription for the right kind of eyesight. Last week, Micah Sharsberg brought it. He brought the Word last week and talked about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So we're kind of moving along through these different mountaintops on the way to the cross. And one of the things that Micah said that was so good was that the transfiguration was like a bridge into some of the heart, like Jesus' blessing from the Father bridged him in and through the hard things that he had to walk through. That's a good word. We need that word. Listen to him. And that's what we're going to be talking about more today as we go to Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the city of Jerusalem. And so today we're going to be following Jesus on another stop along the way. But this one is literally the night before he is killed on the cross and murdered on the cross. And so in this one, the cool thing about what we're going to be talking about this week and next week is John 13 through 17. And do you know that not all sections of Scripture are the same? You know, there's some that are more it's some that's more important. You don't. You don't, you're not reading Chronicles and the genealogy and going, OK, what am I going to do today? You know, there's you know, there's there's parts of what Jesus is saying that is so important. And this is one of those places because it's the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples. So when you get the word like the very last thing from somebody, you know that you're getting something important. So how many of you guys are in college right now? Yeah, that's a bunch. How many of you guys, before you left to come to Fort Worth for college, your parents said, "Hey, remember to do this. Remember to, you know, act this way, and you know, don't get all all off with the crazy people. You know, they they say that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's the way it is with parents. If you're a parent, you know that you got to coach them up right before they do something. It's weird, but you have to because when we're little kids, we just forget, right? We forget quickly, like ah." And so Emily, when she was a little girl, that's our daughter. Now she's married to Aaron, our worship leader that was playing guitar today. And uh, so uh, we would tell Emily's like five and she's a leader, though, even at five, she's a little leader and everybody follows her around and it, Landon Anderson, is he in this? Sir? There's Emily Landon. Yes. So these guys were like major leaders together, both five year olds or whatever. And I would tell Emily, it's like, Emily, You know, be a leader, be a miller. People are going to be following, and they had a posse. I mean, they would run all over the building and everything, man, just leading people around, little trailing around. And uh, but be a leader. And she go, okay, Dad. You know, and all that. Matthew, we did the same stuff, especially when we got to junior high. With Matthew, we would talk to Matthew and say, Hey, buddy, listen. I want you to be a leader. Grab him by the shoulders. You're a mighty man of God. You're a leader, and I want you to remember, man, when it's, it's basically, it's not science, but it's kind of like science. That when, you know, groups of males get together, IQ drops. And so you've got like two or more, it starts going lower. And I mean, you can just follow it 50, you get six, seven, 50, 40, 30, you know, eight or more, there's no cognitive ability anymore. Just, uh, you know, and, and I said, buddy, just because somebody says, hey guys, watch this, does not mean that you have to do that. Right, I was talking to him about this yesterday. He goes, "Oh," and because I'd said, "Hey, just because somebody jumps off a cliff doesn't mean you have to jump off a cliff." And he whoops out a video of him jumping off a cliff. <laughs> His freshman year at Baylor, it's him and this guy named Silas, and they're corkscrewing off a fifty uh, <laughs> off of. Yeah. Kim's like, "Go back up there." <laughs> Sorry. And so they're corkscrewing off this thing and I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> the point is, pulling, it, pulling us back together, the point is that when you're about to go, you say the most important things and Jesus, that's what he's doing with his disciples. Since I'm about to leave, I want you to hear the most important thing. Okay, that's what's going on here because he knows that his disciples are going to get anxious, they're going to get stressed out. They're going to not know where to go or what to do or maybe even forget who they are. All of that stuff's going to be happening. And that's why this is the main thing. If I was going to just boil this down into a sentence, it's this. Jesus' final words give us clear training on how to live through the ups and the downs of life in God's family. So remember, what we've been saying through this series is that Jesus is the Son who reveals the Father. And He's bringing us into that family relationship of love. That's what Jesus reveals. And so He wants us to know how to live. Jesus is saying here, I'm about to leave, so I'm going to give you some some encouragement. And these these are good news encouragements for us because we go through hard stuff and so we need the good news encouragements of what these things are for us. Number one. I'm about to leave, so serve one another. Let's read some scripture together. The beginning of John chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. Now the point I want us to get here is that Jesus has a great understanding of His identity. Remember, like Micah said, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. That's the father speaking that affirmation, that identity to Jesus and Jesus needs it. We need it. We need to know who we are if we're going to walk with confidence into the future. So so he knows who he is and he knows where he's going, that he was from God and was returning to God. And you see in that authority. Authority. He knew what God had given to him and he was walking in it and it empowered his humility. His humility is that which allows him to go low and come under and to serve other people. That's what's going on with Jesus. And so he's wanting us to walk in the same way. Peter, the story goes on. Peter says, Lord, I don't want you to wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless unless I wash your feet, you can have no, no part of me. Then he says, well, wash everything then. And the the point here, he goes on to say in verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So, you know, we all get different opportunities and different ways to serve. And some people are wired this way. They're just they're on point looking for ways to serve other people. Other people have different gifts and other people have to be ushered into serving opportunities sometimes. We just got back last week from a mission trip to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We were on the streets witnessing, sharing our faith, uh, praying for people. But we also did a couple of significant service projects where we were serving the pastor of the church there whose house had been flooded back in August and really hadn't had a, because contracts, there's such a demand, they haven't been able to get the work done. And so we were doing, he said, the most work that had been done on their house since the flood happened, you know, and it was just powerful. He called me on the way back and he said, "I felt exposed for people seeing how how rough things were at our house." And he said, "But we felt the love of God in the way that you guys served us and cleaned up this just a bunch of stuff." Is when his wife, Brianna, walked to the the door of the barn, just broke down and started. It was just because it had been overwhelming, and thirty people come in and just. Do stuff, rake leaves, mow yard, clean the house, just all this stuff. And it was powerful. Another thing we did while we were there was we went to an inner city high school. The principal goes to the church there in Antioch in Baton Rouge and, and had invited us in. We found out about this after the fact. He was saying, our kids were saying, why were you guys loving on us like this? They felt they tangibly felt the love of God through people serving them which is it's really powerful it and what I want to say I I need to just draw this out just a bit because when we were there it was like we stepped into the sometimes I call the kingdom like stepping into the zone and just it's like things are happening now kingdom heaven breaking in things faith rising worship freer and and I mean we had stepped into the zone and I mean, all we painted a wing of the high school in this short amount of time. It, it does. It was loaves and fishes. It did not make sense to us. We were like, how people? People would say, I just turned around and a wall was painted. And I mean, massive amounts of paint going up and detail cutting. Any painters that done painting? You got to cut. And then we're all, there's like massive not. Not a uh, people don't know. So. Uh, <laughs> To paint something, you gotta go along the walls and then you finally can come in with the rollers. I am such an, this is for me explaining painting to you guys. <laughs> this is not my, uh, my, not my wheelhouse. But uh, so we're just, this thing is just unfolding before our eyes. There's worship happening while all of this painting is going on. You can hear people singing, singing harmonies through the halls while the worship's going on. And at one point, I realized we've only got an hour and a half left. I told everybody, hey, there's only an hour and a half. We've got to get to the finish line on this thing. And in that time, I thought at one point, I thought the whole time had been used up. And I looked down at my phone and only 45 minutes had gone by and it's like time stretched out. And it was it was wonderful. And everybody was blessed. We were encouraged. But that's what serving is like. And some of us, you know, we need help to get brought into that. Some of us, You know, a mission trip is a great time to serve, but it's maybe even harder when we're back here with everybody that we're living life with and the context of this thing. So here's the context of serve one another is Judas is about to betray Jesus Christ. That's the context. Jesus is down with a towel around him, washing Judas's feet with the other disciples. That's the context. And then Judas leaves after the foot washing. Isn't that amazing? So the point there is a lot of times we don't necessarily feel compelled to serve other people because we don't feel like other people deserve to be served. And so the point here is that even when people, other people aren't doing what we think they ought to do, Jesus is saying, I'm about to leave. Serve one another. Serve even when other people don't deserve it. Okay, Does that make sense? I feel like I need to lighten things up. It's a happy message. So, the second piece. Since I'm leaving, serve one another. Since I'm leaving, love one another. Here, verse 31 of chapter 13, when he was gone, Judas, that is, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. Now, isn't that strange for a 33-year-old a guy to say, my children, there's something weightier happening here, right? My children, I'll be with you just a little longer. You'll look for me. And as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. And a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So, you know, this this is huge. I mean, love one another. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long suffering. Love is other centered. Love is revealed by God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then revealed in us as he pours out his love and creates us to participate and his love, love is this absolutely incredible main thing. And Jesus says, this is the way everybody's going to know that you're my disciples is if you love one another. This is the key. And we know this, we know this. I mean, this is not like, "Wow, I've never heard that. It's not like that, but it's like I've heard that and it kind of just becomes wrong, 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 It becomes like that, you know, just kind of noise. And but I'm I'm thinking as I'm just pondering this, we don't outgrow this. This is the primary revelation of God in Christ love. We don't outgrow it, not from college to 20s to 30s, 40s, 50s, however old you are in this room, you don't outgrow this and it's it's absolutely huge. We love one another, we change the world. We love one another and we change the world. Think about it. What do you think needs to be changed in the world? What would happen in that situation if people loved one another? And the, the deal is everybody always says, Jamie, you're not being practical. I know. Doggone it, Jesus you're not being practical. Now I've got a mentor who used to say to us, he'd read these statements like this, love one another, change the world, love your enemies, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And we'd pause and listen to him and think he's going to kind of help us out on this thing a little bit here. And he'd, he'd say, well, it means something. It means something, doesn't it? You know." So if we want to change the nation, if we want to change what would happen if people loved one another in politics? Well, that's not practical. That can't happen. People don't even listen to each other. It's just talking at each other. But if people loved one another, things would change, wouldn't they? Okay. so politics, anything else need to change in the world? Just meddling. Yeah, marriage. Would marriages change if everybody loved one another? Relationships. What about your business stuff? Or school stuff? Relationships? I mean, there's not an aspect of life. What about wars in the world? Okay, now just it's really edgy now, right? I mean, what if Christians loved each other? If all the Christians in the... It'd make it hard to have a good war. If the Christians loved each other. and And... Really, I'm not trying to be super political here, but I want you to think through the implications of Jesus saying, "Love each other." This is the way you're going to be known as my disciples. It means something, doesn't it? Okay, so it's not that's all I'm saying. And here's the deal: the context is denial. Peter is denying Jesus; just he's about to do it, and it all flows out of his own sense of. Uh, judgment of himself versus judgment of others and actually in in uh, the gospel of mark he takes it a step further he says I'll, here he says i'll lay down my life for you and in mark which tradition says that peter dictated the gospel of mark to mark so so mark is really kind of peter's own personal kind of story and so in mark it says even if everybody else disowns you I won't it's even more intense you know and so it's like there's this there's this weighty thing here in us we so tend to see the best in ourselves pull out that motive that you know really our heart was you know it was just to love people and do the very best and but other people if they miss it a little bit kaboom you know but I won't you know it's you know it was my heart was not to do that surely you understand and so what happens in this this is not just what other people do this is when i blow it when i blow it man it's like i've got to see i've got to see that i've got to own that i've got to own my own brokenness my own need for god's love because if i don't own that then i will i will always put myself on the deciding throne and decide who's worthy of love and it is an absolute cutoff for the love of God flowing through me. And I can't give other people what they need from God. And instead, I start trying to get life and love from other people rather than from the one source that is the only source on. that can supply what's needed in the depth of my soul. Yep. So, so th- that's what's going on there. If we're going to love like Jesus says to love, it's, it's, it's not just others. It's me too. It's us. It's it's Lord, have mercy on us. We need Your love. Father, open our eyes. Father, just even begin right now in this moment. Show us that You love us. Increase our capacity to love one another, to give that love to other people. In Jesus' name. So, since I'm leaving, serve one another. Love one another. Follow me is the next piece He says there. So in, in John 14, I'm not going to read all the passage there, but just he's going, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. You know, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas comes along and says, Lord, where are you going? We don't know where you're going. And in that in that heart cry is I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And Jesus answers that heart cry right there in the moment and says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm literally the path that you need to walk on to follow, to go in the way of God, the way that God has for us to walk. Jesus is calling us to this. This is the way into the future. Jesus as He really is, not as Jesus I construct Him in my own imagination, but Jesus as He's revealed Himself. Jesus, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep moving on. So Jesus as He's, Revealed Himself as He really is. And so, you know, when we're looking at the future, it is, it's hard sometimes for us to, uh, to keep moving unless we are putting our trust in Jesus. Unless we're believing in Him. Because what happens is, we look at the future and we get overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Keep looking to Him. I don't know if I can walk through this trial. Keep looking to Him. Hebrews 11.13 says, That they walked by faith, these people, and even though they did not see or realize the fullness of what they were believing for, they kept walking by faith, even to death. You know, in our own journey. I mean, we're 30 years in ministry or whatever, and I can remember, you know, there's a dream that's in my heart of being the church like we read about in the Bible. You know, that church that's life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, just looks like Jesus in His power. All that grace and love flowing through the church and touching the city and the nation and the nations and all of that stuff. We want to see that happen. And yet there's been times when we've gotten setback after setback after setback. And yet we're believing because Jesus has put this in us and on us and given us grace to do this. And there's hundreds of different stories about the same kinds of opportunities in your lives where you've faced trials, where you've felt like, I don't know if it's a good picture, but when I'm really suffering and going through a hard time, there's a few times in my life where I've said, Kim, I feel like I'm on the rack. And I don't know, chink, if I can handle you know, my shoulders about to come out of the sockets because this is so hard. And it's that faith in Jesus It's following Him who is the way, the truth, the life. That's the way forward. The context is uncertainty. You know, the context is uh, we don't know how we're going to make it. We don't know if this is going to work. We don't know what to do. I just was talking to somebody in between service today, just about decisions and standing at the crossroads and and again offering our lives to Jesus. Romans 8:6, the mind set on the Spirit, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Not just a kind of circumstantial peace, because there may still be trials. But the way of Jesus' peace and how He leads us forward. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so this last piece is kind of connected to that. Since I'm leaving, serve one another. Love one another. Follow me and find peace in my presence, in God's presence. Read a couple of verses here. John 14, verse 20. On that day, He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. On that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father and that You are in me and that I am in You. That You can experience my presence. That I've got You. I've got this. I've got what You're going through. On down to verse 25. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Amen. You know, since I'm leaving, I know that you're going to need peace. I know that you're going to need my presence. And that's why I'm sending the Spirit. Who is this abiding presence in us of God's reality. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You're going to know that I'm in you. That you're in me. And that we have this fellowship that I've brought you into, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And your peace isn't just something you kind of try to get the if I could just get just a little bit more peace. It's my peace. It's the peace of Jesus. What you need isn't just more peace. You need Jesus. It's his life. You know, he has become for us righteousness, wisdom, sanctification, redemption, all of those things. He is our very life. You know, we need this in the midst when the context is anxiety. And when you look at the world, if you just uh, if I said, uh, y'all go watch the news about four hours every day during this next week, you come back a stressed mess, right? Because that's that's the world. Everybody's like, everything's at a ten. It's not ever going to be at a nine. It's at a ten. And it's always bad and it's redlined. Uh, ah. And so people do meds and people are stressed and all these different things trying to pull back, get a grip. All this. you know, And what we need is Jesus in the midst of that context in an anxious world where all of that is happening. The good news is that Jesus made a way to participate in the peace that He enjoys with the Father. That unreal... Super, very real, supernatural love of God, this, the father looking into the son's eyes. He brings us into that peace, that assurance, that value, that love. But the question is, will we receive it or will we say, no, I'm not going to receive it. I'm going to walk in my own way. Will we receive it? Will we accept it? I've got a a, a dear friend, Jim Reynolds, who's preached here before. Pastor in Dallas, he's 75 years old. And I love how he's going strong to the finish. That's what I want to do. But uh, we were talking this past week and uh, on, on Wednesday we meet once a month and and uh, he was telling me about this conversation he was in with a guy who was saying, and this has to do with the Holy Spirit. So when I start talking about men and women, you go, how does this fit? But he said he was in a conversation with a guy who was saying, that a woman being a helpmeet meant that she was uh, inferior to to man, and he was saying, "Well, the word for helpmeet is Ezer, seventeen times is used of God, God who is my help, God who is my helper, God who is my deliverance, God who is my power." You know that's 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 what that word is, and the point he was making was that Ezer applied to a woman as a helpmeet is part of the image of God. And how we fit together, only together, can we fully represent what God's like. Is us living in relationship, relationships together. And who is that in the New Testament but the counselor, the helper, the one who comes and more fully embraces us and loves us and helps us in our time of need and makes known the things that are from Jesus and gives that to us. And it's like, my peace, I leave. the Holy Spirit's going to come and impart this to you. And it's really good news. So, wrapping this up, why would these words be the final words of Jesus? Why do you think? It's because we need it. it. We need it. We need these words from Jesus. He knew that we would be anxious, stressed, <laughs> stressed out, judging others, being betrayed by others, betraying others—a mess of need. We just—and and you're beautiful. We're beautiful. We're in the image of God, but we're so needy. Just would it help to even just go, "We are needy." We're needy. <laughs> We are so needy. We need... And that's where the breakthrough is. It's, it's in Him saying, hey, this is the way you live. When, when, you, when people aren't doing what you think they ought to be doing, you still serve. You still love when you've blown it and all those kinds of things. Follow me when you don't know what to do. Trust me. I'm the way, the truth, the life. And receive the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And that's good news. Y'all stand up. Let's respond to God today. This is one of those this one of those messages where basically everybody could respond, I think, at some level, because we all have the need to more deeply appropriate and live into what Jesus is saying. Could be service, could be love, could be you know, the pressure we feel and need a breakthrough for. You know, that could be anxiety or the stress we feel. But I'll just start with this. If you don't know Jesus, first invitation today is to give your life, give your heart, put your trust in Jesus Christ. If you've not done that, I mean, this is how a relationship starts. It starts by saying, Jesus, I need You. I'm trusting in You for forgiveness. You are the Lord, the King, who died on the cross for the sins of the world. And I believe that You love me and gave Your life for me. That's how we do that. That's a start. If you need to do that today, then, then come down and get somebody to pray for you. But the second invitation is just, just on what we've been talking about today. If Any of these areas are touching your heart in a personal way. I know it's in a general way. It's all of us. But in a personal way, then please, you know, don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. Praying for breakthrough. You're feeling that weight. Feeling that stress. Feeling that burden. Feeling that calling into servanthood or into more love or into more of the peace that comes from the presence of God then get prayer for that. Man, I, just, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten prayer in the moment after a word and God just touched something. Just feel like it's a stake in the ground that we're not going to go back behind that, but we're going to keep going forward by God's grace. And the last thing is, hey, if you're just going through something, I'm not really touching on it here, but you need prayer, don't leave without getting prayer. The front's going to fill up, but just pray for each other. You know, If somebody's there with you and the front's full, say, hey, would you pray for me? This this is the, you know, the worship's great preaching, you know, but what we're doing right now is so important. So let's let's pray together. Let's go for it. Father, meet the need of every heart here. Change lives. Conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Fill us with the power of your spirit, the power of your love. Meet us today in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, whatever your need is, you guys come. Let's go for it. Be bold. Press into God right now. Amen.